This episode of the Retail Oasis Retail Wrap-Up Podcast is proudly brought to you by Afterpay. Bye now, pay later. Welcome to the Retail Oasis Retail Wrap-Up Podcast for 2021. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this was recorded, the Guyamagal people of the Eora Nation. I acknowledge the elders past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. In today's episode, we talk to Rob Fisher and Dave McLaughlin, the co-founders of BOD. BOD is a rapidly growing scanning and data company homegrown here in Australia. Founded in 2013, BOD has been developing 3D body scanning technology with leading Australian academic institutions such as UTS, RMIT, Swinburne and Deakin. BOD aims to empower retailers and merchants to change how they capture measurements, body and sizing data through an integrated suite of technology that can be tailored for any business. Their focus is to provide the richest set of body data on individuals that ultimately the consumer can control. It's up to each user to grant explicit permission for merchants to access their body data derived from their BOD scan. With permission from the consumer, retailers can then offer hyper-tailored experiences to BOD consumers, leveraging the wealth of data captured from one single scan. During our conversation with Dave and Rob, we discussed the backstory behind the creation of BOD, including their motivation and key partnerships currently at play. The guys also discussed the key learnings that came up when launching in Southeast Asia and how this wisdom continues to serve them. We talk about sustainability in the fashion and apparel industry and BOD's role in making a difference. Plus, we hear Dave and Rob's plans for BOD's future. For more information on the BOD technology or our guest today, please see the show notes for this episode. Big thanks to our guests, Rob and Dave, for joining us. We hope you enjoy this conversation. So for anyone who may not have heard of BOD or your technology, can you please tell us about the technology and, of course, its creation? Yeah, sure, sure, Maddie. So BOD at BOD, we've created some pretty incredible 3D body scanners and scanning technology for the for the retail sector. So the, the purpose of our technology really is to, with express permission from a consumer, use really smart and really detailed human body scan data to ultimately create better retail experiences for the for the brands and for the consumer whose um, whose permission they, they provide. That's really interesting. So what was the motivation behind the concept? But before answering that question, maybe step back a little bit further for me and tell me how you two guys came together with your diverse backgrounds and how you took that, the motivation of that into building BOD. Yeah, sure. Well, um, Rob and I go back a long way. We've been friends for a very long time. Um, yeah, and people probably ask, well, why on earth did you go and build body scanners? Um, <laughs> it's never as simple as that. Uh, Rob and I had uh, a, a technology software-driven menswear company. So we we faced all the same challenges that retailers face in that business. You know, how do you adapt and keep up with the pace of change? How do you limit returns? Most importantly, how do you cut down on returns due to sizing? So, you know, overarching all of that, there was this kind of big, dirty secret that is the the wastage associated with the apparel industry. So we we sort of were working in this business. We we had all these challenges that we were seeing firsthand, but there was this big problem in the apparel industry that we saw that, you know, second to oil and gas, the, the wastage from the apparel industry is 
it's it's the next biggest pollutant. So it's it's really staggering. So in solving and addressing some of these problems in our existing business, we felt we had this opportunity to work on and build technology and software to address not just our immediate challenges, but I guess this bigger, um, more lofty problem that is sizing and returns and wastage in, in the apparel industry. So Rob and I have been working together for, for almost you know, too, ten, too long. Too, too long, long yeah. yeah. Just you can no. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of interesting, and I'm sorry, but I'd really like to just dig in on this subject of sustainability in the apparel market because I, I, I suspect behind all of this you've got a pretty well-defined brand purpose or a business purpose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, our... Our, our scanners, it's probably worth giving you a, a more elaborated um, description of what our scanners are. So they're physical scanning devices. So they're, they're incredibly lightweight. They're, um, they're portable, so they're collapsible. So they can be used either as roving scanners in, in various pop-up environments, or they can be permanently affixed in within a retailer store. So whether it be the change room or out on the showroom floor. And, and so what we can do very quickly um, and in a really staffless, easy manner, a consumer can jump on a 3D scanner and within 45, 50 seconds, we can capture with their permission an enormous amount of data on them. Um, and so in the clothing sector as a value proposition, Steve, we can very, very quickly overlay that scan with whether it be a product or a brand size chart, their spec sheet, or it could even be the fit model um, that that brand used and their scan. And we can deduce instantly across an infinite range of products um, with a great degree of accuracy, the correct size for, for that consumer. So if you think of us as a business where we're actually a data and a software business that relies on the critical support of our physical 3D scanning units. So we can take raw 3D scan data, and again, with permission from the consumer, we can process that data in a myriad of different ways to provide retailers and the consumer with information or an output that helps with that retail experience. Um, and so in the instance of, of fashion and sizing, you know, the size match for a consumer um, and the brand is incredibly valuable. So we know that when our scanners are in store, uh, after someone's been scanned, it encourages more people to go and try things on. So it gets consumers further through that purchasing experience. And then more medium to long term, BOD is able to provide that brand with a wealth of information about that consumer so that when that consumer leaves the store, they can be re-engaged in really meaningful and efficient ways. So <clears throat> pair it back to the same example, that retailer can provide communications to that consumer with appropriately styled and appropriately sized product. And so that has a whole lot of flow on ramifications to a consumer's propensity to, to, to repurchase all the way through to creating really great operational efficiencies for that brand um, in the notion of sizing returns, reducing sizing returns. And we know the, you know, the enormous financial and environmental cost that that currently uh, faces in the, in the retail sector. So it's an interesting balance between the heart and the head. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, you know, my heart says it's really good to understand that you're 
focused in the area of sustainability, that you're conscious of wastage, which is the point you talked to a few minutes ago. But then the head says to me that it's all about accurate sizing, it's all around data collection, and it's all about um, what then becomes a tremendous aid for both the retailer and the consumer in, in securing or understanding exactly what size garment I should be trying on. But the thing I, I like about it, underwriting it all is that you know, just about every business we've spoken to in the last six months or so has this real emphasis around um, thinking about what's going to be best for a sustainable future in society. And I kind of get the balance that you guys came from that, but then understood as you went forward just the value you could add to the retail businesses by this accurate sense of sizing and, and how it works. So it's it's pretty extraordinary. So um can you maybe talk to us about some of the partnerships you've already started? So you talk about retail and things that you're doing, but maybe just step back a little bit and talk to us about the partnership you have with uh, UTS here in Sydney and uh, and how that works. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then we're we're incredibly proud of the, the not only the support but the the partnerships that we have with some really top tier Australian academic institutions, as well as some really top tier private sector businesses that are, that are supporting us in our, in our quest. And I think it's, it's worth noting, Steve, that relatively speaking, we are new to commercialization, if that makes sense. So we've spent four plus years prior to commercializing our technology that we're talking to you about today in what, what, what is termed R&D. So building IP and, that, as an adventure, not only gives founders like Dave and I plenty of grey hairs because of the, the unknowns, when you're building true new IP, the, the, the risks that are inherent are great. And I think from going through that experience, we cannot recommend more highly getting the smartest minds that you can find globally to help solve some of the problems you're facing or build IP that doesn't exist. And so, yeah, we, we've been really fortunate to work really closely with the University of Technology in, in Sydney. So we work with and have great relationships with the engineering department, the machine learning and AI department, as well as a commercialization arm to the, to the university. It's a division called Rapido. And that's really interesting for, for a number of reasons, Steve. And, and I think the UTS have it right in that traditionally there have been challenges in connecting really great research, really great IP to commercial outcomes. So the UTS have a private sector company called Rapido that's owned by the university and it's their job to make sure that great research, great IP is actually translated into great commercial products. So we've worked with the UTS and the various departments for a number of years and, and without them, we wouldn't have the tech or the IP that, that exists to, today. Um, so yeah, really fortunate to work with some great top tier academics. That's extraordinary. And we do, we hear about partnerships all the time in business. So it's really nice to, I don't know, see that push continuing, particularly, you know, in, in this side of things. Um, can you tell us, are there any special partnerships coming up that you can talk about or is there anything, you know, thing that you guys want to talk about in terms of partnerships? <laughs> well, look, I think, um, I think it's worth noting that we have an evolving and ever-strengthening relationship and partnership with global manufacturers, Bosch. 
So I think I've already said, I've already alluded to the fact that we're a software and a data business, but we rely on the critical hardware component, which are our 3D scanners. And we're, we're incredibly proud to have our scanners built here in Australia by manufacturing Titans Bosch. So that's, a, that's an evolving relationship and an ever-strengthening one. It's certainly worth noting that we've got great support from the top of Bosch. So you're talking about guys like Gavin Smith, who's the, um, the Bosch president, through to super senior staff members like Andrew Bartlett, who look after us. So Bosch take care of all of our manufacturing, our global distribution, our freight forwarding, our installation, service repair, warranty, et cetera, et cetera, which means that as a business, we focus on what we're really good at, which is software data, creating great retail experiences by using the data that we capture from those 3D scanners. So again, I couldn't speak more highly of the relationship and the, the support that we've got from the private sector, you know, led by Bosch in particular. Yeah, I think it's probably worth also mentioning um, Advanced Manufacturing Growth Centre. So we've been in a really, I guess, great position to receive government grants and government incentives and government support, everything from R&D through to commercialisation grants. But Advanced Manufacturing Growth Centre um, has supported us through our um, commercialisation uh, process, which is super exciting. Uh, we've just signed on global distributors for the technology as well. So we've got distribution partners uh, in North America, so US, Canada, but also Europe. So we now have sales tentacles into those regions. Um, again, the relationship with Bosch is really one of the pillars of strength of our business in that we can scale up our production very quickly. So activating these kind of sales cells and these uh, sales networks in different regions would be a real challenge for a business like ours when you've got to figure out how the hell are you going to build this many products and get them out to market. But the capability of Bosch to activate their own sort of cell manufacturing network and to be able to support us globally is huge. So we'll be onboarding uh, additional distributors in different corners of the globe as well. So the view is that we're getting our tech out to all corners of the globe as quickly as possible with the support of Bosch as our, as our manufacturers. That's amazing. I mean, you've put together some great partnerships, as you've said. So, and you've talked a lot about the op, the future opportunity in retail. And indeed, most of the people listening to this podcast will be retail related. So let's just dig in a little bit around this partnership or the work you've been doing in Southeast Asia. So maybe you could explain to us why Southeast Asia and then what you've done and what are the learnings that have come out of it? Yeah, sure. I mean, Southeast Asia for us, if we want to start macro, as you've pointed me to, we, our belief as a, as a tech company that services retail is that particularly from an in-store perspective, we think Asian retailers are ahead of the pack. We think that in most instances, they're, they're maybe two, three years ahead of various other parts of the world. And, and if you, you go to a, a shopping mall in Asia, travel permitting, of course, that the, the experience that you get in a top quality mall, it's, it's like a it's like Disneyland for, for adults. And yep. so early stages of, of our commercialization, we really pointed our needle to that region because again, we think that they're a few years ahead of the rest of the world or various parts of the of the world. So we're working with a um, a really great innovative apparel brand in Southeast Asia. They've got 500 plus stores in and around the, the region. They, um, they happen to be quite 
quite affected regions from COVID. So you'll see a lot of their stores are currently shut. So we're gearing up for a commercial launch across their network in early 2022. But I, in fact, travelled to Southeast Asia and spent three or four months over there late last year and early this year, overseeing what you consider to be an early rollout slash pilot stage or a pilot trial with um, with our clients over there. And I guess our, our focus and our clients' focus was really around how do consumers behave, how do they interact, how do they respond, how do they use the technology? Should a scanner go in a change room? Should it be on the showroom floor? Should it be in the window? And the answers to those questions are really I guess that they're really unique to each brand and, and the proposition. Our, our view always has been that unless you're a retail brand that actually leads with tech or your story is centered around tech, which is very rare, our view, our view is that our scanners shouldn't necessarily be pride of place. It shouldn't be shoved in front of a consumer. And in many respects, nor should it be tucked away in a change room. And what we found working with our clients in Southeast Asia was there was a beautiful middle ground to have a 3D body scanner, not prior to place, not center, but certainly strategically placed within the store environment. We were able to substantiate that consumers naturally gravitate towards a scanner. So it's an interesting concept. It has some sizzle. There's a really great experience involved in not only getting scanned, but seeing other people get scanned. We've been able to prove with that particular retailer that getting scanned with clothes on is perfectly fine. Our tech was adapted and can be adapted for either skin tight active wear or single fairly tight fitting outerwear. So getting scanned with clothes on in a store environment, we proved to be non-intimidating, quite enjoyable, you know, 45 seconds on a turntable based scanner. And I think most importantly, without giving away too many items that are commercially sensitive, we were able to prove a significant uplift in the number of people that went from having a scan to then trying things on in store, which has a direct correlation to your in-store conversion rate. Mm -hmm. So that was a really, really big thing for us that, that we learned. Yeah, I think there was some, some other interesting learnings just from the, the user experience and, the, and watching people go through the process of getting scanned. You know, we hadn't we hadn't envisioned that there'd be people queuing up to get on a scanner. So we had to think through, right, what do you do to alleviate that challenge? So we introduced things like QR codes. So you get scanned, you can take a photo of the QR code on screen and pop the size recommendations to your phone. So you're getting people scanned and out onto the retail floor, looking at the right size product immediately. So we can pop any sort of information through the phone. It could be one product, it could be, a whole range of products used with correct sizing. So things like audio cues were really valuable learnings for us as well. So guiding people through the scan process rather than just on screen, having an audio voiceover that walks them through and tells them how they're tracking and how long they've got to go and remember to stay still, et cetera, et cetera. So just really good learnings for us from a user experience perspective. Definitely. And that sort of flows on, you know, to me, I think, well, what would I do with my measurements if I was to be scanned? And of course, I'd shop in store and I'd love the fact that I wouldn't have to go to a change room because I'd already know it would fit me. But on for you know, 
further on from that is even that online experience then becomes far more valuable and you're not concerned about having to return the product because quite often you know you'll go to a retailer and then you go well I'm already paying for shipping. I don't want to have to then ship it back to you if it's not right. Like, at least I know it's going to fit me. It's just a matter of if I like it or not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. like COVID was a really interesting period for us where it sort of fast-tracked all of these conversations for us around around our technology. Uh, a lot of retailers had to shut off their change rooms last year. Mm -hmm. So people couldn't even go to a change room to try and close. And people were taking what they thought was the right size clothes, taking it home, trying it on, realizing that it didn't fit. And then it had to go in quarantine for 72 hours before it back on the floor. So having the ability for someone to get size through a contactless experience, know that it's the right size, and then we're automatically alleviating that sizing issue. Plus that data can then be used to kind of nurture the customer online so they can get their sizing information online. It sort of tick, ticks a lot of boxes for retailers. And that's oh. a long period of time for a garment to be off the shelf, you know, from the postage to the person, to them trying it on, to it then having come back and then get quarantined. Like Absolutely. You know, it's a long time for retailers just to have one size garment sitting in a change room when someone's tried it on because you only have a certain number of sizes uh, in each style available. So if the size is sitting in a change room, it means someone else can't get it. So accelerate that and move it out of the store was a big challenge for retailers. So it certainly, as I said, fast-tracked really good conversations for us with, with major... You do know, having worked with a number of um, Omni retailers, that that product being off the product file before it's re-entered into the product file can be anywhere between three to seven weeks. Yeah, that's crazy. Time we could see an entire seasonal change. Yeah, we could see a move away from that fashion, that garment, that style, that color. So there's so much goes on that you know, from the retailer's perspective, the um, the level of wastage, and we've talked about this a, a bit already, is quite extraordinary. So to be able to get that accurate, credible, meaningful sizing means I haven't got to worry about taking three garments and ending up buying one and sending two back and and the poor old retailer getting that product back and putting it back into the DC and putting the file numbers back onto the product <laughs> file codes is alleviated. So, you know, the time saving is quite extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. I think you're really talking to, I guess, ultimate leverage there, Steve, as well, in that our, our technology can provide insights and identify trends across our store network, so geographic network, as to the size and shape of your consumers based on their geography or their location. And there's an enormous opportunity to leverage that in the, in the medium term. So knowing your customers, knowing the bell-shaped curve best down to a store location mm. has incredible value in management, where to send stock, where to not send stock, how to move stock and how to move it in a targeted way. Um, that a thought, but you're absolutely right from a retailer's perspective, because you know the average apparel retailer will have anywhere between two to four hundred thousand dollars worth of stock in store, and to put the right stock, as in the right sizing, in the right store would just be a, a massive benefit. Yeah. Yeah. So that sizing curve and that in, that knowledge and information that would come from the sizing information coming out of the system would really assist the retailer dramatically. 
Yeah, no, good point. You kind of touched upon like knowing a customer through your technology and data points, but what would be the perfect customer knowledge set? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great question. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll hear us talk a lot about world, world views at Bod. Um, we like to talk about the future and I guess we talk a lot about data and, you know, what is the right set of data for us? It's this constant evolving, you know, we, we genuinely feel like the retailers that are armed with the most data are probably going to win most, most of the battles. Um, we, we believe that a lot of retailers here aren't adequately set up just yet for the digital future. Um, you know, there's, they've got some work to do to be able to defend and compete with, those really smart competitors that are already using extensive consumer data. Um, we feel that, you know, it's going to be harder for brands in any sector to remain super relevant without accessing and using really smart data. So I guess our view is that, you know, in the future and the not too distant future, and ultimately BOD plays a role in, in shaping this future is that we feel that every consumer will have this really valuable set of body data that has everything you could possibly know or need to know about that consumer, but it's very much consumer control. So we're very big on ethical capture of data, but really championing, I guess, consumer data rights. And that's a really big focus for our brand and our business is that shifting this focus from where the control is around consumer data and, and really giving consumers the ability to grant explicit permission for brands to use their data and know how brands are using their data um, and be able to revoke access to that data for brands. So for us, it's about collecting as much data that the consumer is happy with, um, allowing brands and consumers to come together in a way that gives the control to the consumer. But, you know, we're, we're working on things and, and I guess updates to our scanners that will continue to evolve and collect more data uh, on, on consumers. So we feel like everyone will have this, call it a digital passport or a body passport or whatever you want to call it, but this set of data that is ultimately theirs to control. So if that's the case, and just just open the, uh, open the discussion up for a minute and forget about levels of restrictions and those sorts of things, what information can it give the consumer? Oh. And I'm talking about everything from skin colour, hair colour, eye colour. What, what, what information can it actually give apart from sizing? Yeah, a really good question, Stephen. And I'll start by saying that it's, it's enormous. And one of, the, one of the reasons that we collect so much high-quality data is because we initially cut our teeth in the uniform sector. So we have really large uniform businesses that use our technology. So these are uniform companies that are decking out airlines, banks, you know, casinos, um, you know, health services, police, military, et cetera, et cetera. And if you think of all the diversity of the product requirements across those sectors or across those uniforms, it's everything from headwear, boots, gloves, outerwear, innerwear, activewear, uh, you name it. And so for us to cater to those early stage client sectors, what we needed to do was build a really ethical but large scale data collection device. So there is no body scanner on the planet 
that can collect as much data that creates really precise and meaningful outputs that can be used from feet, toes, hands, fingers, <laughs> head, face, and, and everything in between. And so, Steve, everything from body measurements, shape, eye colour, hair colour, complexion, age estimation, skeletal framework, you name it, bioimpediments, health information can be captured and used with the specific permission of that consumer to create a better experience. And so think, think the world's your oyster. If you're a retailer, irrespective of the sector you're in, if you have a view that the ethical collection and use of smart consumer data can give you a competitive advantage and it can help you create really great, genuine and meaningful relationships with a consumer, then we have the ability to provide not only that data, but we can process that data, that raw data to give you valuable outputs that can be used. So, so what you're saying is that that data and information could be used for anything from makeup tones and colours through to ring sizes, through to sunglasses or hats, shoes, everything that I could possibly want to wear or consider wearing and give me exactly the right size. So I know we started the conversation around apparel, but it's it's literally um, top to toe and everything in between. Yeah, any sector within retail, absolutely. Yeah, that's wow. that's pretty amazing. I mean, that is quite extraordinary. And that data is owned, is my data, as in the person who's been scanned. So although I might use it with this retailer today, I could take it and use it if I was doing if I was going somewhere else. Yeah, you as the consumer, you you know, you're you are central to the body ecosystem. And so you decide who has access to and what can be done with that data. Um, and it can be done or it's done in a really explicit way. I mean, clearly the retailer that you're doing the scan on, you would hope would gain a, a fair bit of benefit in loyalty and appreciation. Um, but you know, that's not to say that that retailer sells me 100% of my apparel needs, that I could then take my data and use it somewhere else. It's all about, it's all about the analytics for, for most retailers, if not all retailers that, that we work with. The, the raw scan data unto itself is not actually that valuable. It's actually what we do with that raw scan data that gives them call it a piece of analytics or an insight that they can use. So we would say that for a retailer, it's not so much the raw scan data, it's what BOD can do with that to provide them with the value, that nugget that they need to create that better experience or to create an operational efficiency in their, in yeah. their product. Yeah, so there's benefits both ways. Yeah, and you've kind of, you've basically touched on all parts of the human body in terms of how far, you know, this, this scanner can really look into. So you're already dealing with everything from head to toe, but what's next for Bob? Where, where are you going to go next? Like, what, what's the next, what's the future? <laughs> yeah, um, lots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're so, yeah, busy at the moment, you know, we've sort of, it's been a whirlwind launch into this commercialization phase of the business. As we said, COVID sort of created this rubber band effect where, you know, we've got more demand that we can probably cater to right now. So a focus for us is working with Bosch from a production standpoint and 
really getting our production line firing so we can start shipping out uh, units to clients. We've got, you know, a ton of pilots coming up. We've got blue chip clients that'll be rolling out the technology in 2022. Um, we've got the rollout in North America and Europe. Uh, we've got some work to do building our internal team. So we've got some really exciting technology team members joining everything from art tech architects through to data scientists and machine learning uh, expertise. I think longer term as well, you know, we've talked about the amount of, amount of data that comes off our scanners. There's, I guess, a really logical progression for us um, beyond apparel. So apparel is our, you know, where we've, where we've started, apparel and uniforms have where the, been where the wheels have been spinning the fastest for us. But the data that we can, we can capture um, could really provide a lot of value in health, wellness, and the pharmacy sector. So if you think about a consumer getting scanned in a retail store, then absolutely they could use that data to have a better service or a better experience if it's at the gym, it's at a pharmacy, if it's at a wellness centre. So we see this kind of longer term progress where the bot ecosystem will continue evolving as we you know, expand, expand beyond just apparel. Yeah, but you're making the point pretty clearly that now's the time to commercialise. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, with it, without question. So you've spent <laughs> years and years and years working with all these partners, building this platform and finding the right groups who can help you commercialise and manufacture. And now you're going to go from here and you're really trialling, as you were saying, in Southeast Asia and doing other things. But it's all coming together now to a point where you would go, fine, let's get on with it. Now let's seriously commercialise it. Yep, I think that's um, that's a fair assessment, Steve, of, of where we're at. And there's been a, it's, it's quite a timely paradigm shift, if that makes sense. If you rewind five years ago, the things that we're saying today, we were also saying then. Right. They certainly weren't resonating with retailers as well as they are right now. Right. Mm. And I think that's also the maturity of retail in Australia. I pick up on the point you raised before about Asia being three to four or five years in front of us. I think you can almost say the same about America. I mean, a lot of laggard retailers in Australia who are now being forced because of COVID to um, accelerate those plans they had for five to six years to get it done in the next five months or six months. So I do think we are going to see a rapid acceleration of um, improvement in retail Mind you, I think we're going to see a spur along in the economy once and if the economy reopens and how it reopens, but I do think we will see some sort of economic benefit to retail that comes out of that pretty quickly. And uh, and then I think we will see that because of what's happened in the last couple of years with the adoption of e-commerce, um, just how much impact that's having on those retail businesses for them now to think deeper about the role of technology which kind of leads me to my second last question um, and that is um, in store or online what is your preference why we knew we knew this question was coming having been uh, been listeners of your podcast so we we did this one Steve so right I mean, do you have to make us choose? Do we have to choose one or the other? I'd no, love you can say both. <laughs> you can say both, but I need to understand why, because we are asking this question because we're really keen to understand how how future focused people, which I, I rate you guys as very, very future focused, are seeing um, your preference, your personal preference in retail as we go forward. Look, what what I will say is that there's 
there's a not there's not just room, but there's a need for both, and there's a need for a purchasing continuum that includes not only bricks and mortar online, but there's also click and collect and other means to um, purchase and acquire your your, your goods. I, I think if I had to if I had to highlight where I think there are enormous opportunities though for for retailers, I would say that the recognition of how powerful an in-store environment can be, cannot be underestimated. An in-store environment is, is one where your brand can do so much to tell a consumer who you are, what you stand for, why you're there. You know, imparting who you are as a brand is so much easier to be done in a tactile, touch and feel, experiential way. Now that's not to discount on online at all, but there's an enormous opportunity there for retailers that get it um, to be able to use the in-store experience, not only as a generator of sales, but as a really great mechanism to nurture customers online and then back into store and then along that purchasing can continuum. So I think that we're in a unique position to help retailers do just that. It's not just about in-store, but it's a great way of getting the right data with that consumer's permission to then be able to seamlessly nurture that customer backwards and forwards between an online environment, a click and collect environment, and then back in-store. So I would say that, yeah, both, both are so critical, but there are enormous opportunities in, uh, in bricks and mortar. Yeah, and I think the point you're picking up on is an interesting one because we could argue wherever we finish post-COVID um, and our bias to buying online is that there will be lower store traffic, um, even though we're going to see increase, and I do believe we'll see a, a pretty strong economic recovery. We may well see lower store traffic, which puts a lot of emphasis on securing that customer when in store and securing that customer for the right item plus one or two other. Yes. So a lot of benefit in the point you're raising which kind of leaves us to our last question Matt which you guys will probably already know about if, since you are listeners <laughs> our last question is one we've been asking everybody all season and it is a it's a biggie um but what does the future of retail look like to you besides having a bod scanner in every store <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know well, you know I think, I think you just come with the answer there um yeah I mean the, the simple answer that, that we see is that consumers are going to shop anyway anytime um whenever they choose to so it's kind of their call so so brands need to have all of those touch points just nice and harmoniously working together so the consumer can shop whenever they like but yeah i think you summed it up maddie you know what does the future of retail look like with bod uh you know a world where bod is this conduit to provide this really frictionless this really harmonious environmentally friendly retail experience so you know we see bod as being this really amazing enabler for true omni-channel experiences for, for both brands and consumers so wow what a great interview thank yeah. you so much for making the time today gents um we've enjoyed talking with you so much yeah and i can't wait to try a bod scanner <laughs> Well, thank you, thank you, Steve. Thank you, Maddie. It's been uh, it's been great to to be involved, and having been long time listeners, it's it's great to participate. So, thanks so much. Thank 
you so much for listening to this episode of the Retail Oasis Retail Wrap-Up. If you enjoyed the chat, we'd love you to rate and review it. Plus, remember to subscribe and you'll be automatically notified when the next episode airs. If you'd like to learn more about Retail Oasis, please head over to retailoasis.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Yes, we're there too. To support our show, simply tell a friend or send this episode on to someone you know who would appreciate more retail knowledge. And finally, thank you to our sponsor, Afterpay. Bye now, pay later.